0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. When the Black Death swept 14th century Florence, wealthy Italians turned to social distancing. One small group's retreat from a plague-ridden city to a deserted villa became the backdrop for the classic novel The Decameron. Rebecca Mesbarger is a professor of Italian at Washington University. She's also co founder of the university's medical humanities program. And the Decameron is one of the key texts in the class that she titled Disease, Madness, and Death Italian Style. So joining us today to talk about it is Rebecca Mesbarger of Washington University. Rebecca, welcome to the program. Thank you so much.
1: Delight here.
0: Now, your academic interests suddenly feel positively ripped from the headlines. Did you expect that when you put together this class on disease, madness, and Italian-style death?
1: No, absolutely not. I never imagined it would be so pertinent to our day-to-day living and sort of to all of our personal lives. Yeah, this is a complete surprise, not a great surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, not something you
0: welcome, but but here it is. Um, I understand this class is new in this year. Is
1: that correct? Yeah, I um, well actually, I taught it for the first time last year. Um, I taught it the second time this year, and uh, it is my most enjoyable teaching experience. Period. <laughs> to talk about
0: death and, and disease and madness, uh, I guess what led you to put this this particular combination
1: of topics together. Well, um, first of all, it's a perfect subject matter for our medical humanities program. And frankly, Italian literature, all literature, grapples with these themes. I Hmm. mean, these are themes that are sort of fundamental to human beings. Um, Illness and mental mental illness and care, Hmm. they're all things that every single one of us is going to have to to grapple with in our lifetimes. And it's you know a subject of literature and history and philosophy, so there's just ample material. Um, In the Italian context, it's very rich. Those are subjects that are all over the place.
0: Now, as I mentioned in that little intro up there, one of the major texts is the Decameron. And for those of Mm -hmm. us who are not up to speed in our 14th century Italian literature, tell us,
1: what is this book about? So the Decameron is actually a set of 100 tales, um, body humorous, moral, uh, tragic, and they're wrapped together inside an actual historical frame. So mm-hmm. Giovanni Boccaccio was a medieval writer from Florence. Um, he has a he had a background in um, uh, business. His father was a merchant. Um, he was uh, you know uh, he lived a full life, and he actually lived firsthand the 1348 plague that decimated Florence. Hmm. More than half of the people in Florence died. More than half. The, that's that's stunning. More, stunning. Yeah. And so anyway, he has. That is the frame, the backdrop, the rationale for bringing 10 young, noble men and women, seven women, three men, together to escape this devastation and chaos and retreat to a villa um, and retreat from death. And they join together, and they sit in the shade, and they tell stories to kind of take their minds off of what is what they've experienced, and to bide their time until they can go back to a safe Florence. Hmm.
0: And I know the focus of this is, is these stories, not necessarily the, the fate of these characters and how they grapple with the plague, but do we know, does their social distancing save them?
1: You know, we don't really know um, what happens when they go back to Florence, but we can assume that uh, they probably have a good end. Even though, you know, the, the, the overarching theme of the Decameron is fortune, hmm. you know, how your fortune... Uh, rises and falls in in this life, and I think some of us are looking at what's currently happening in those terms as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you say fortune. I imagine these characters are, are fortunate just mm-hmm. being able to get to a deserted villa in Florence or outside Florence. I mean, frankly, I think a lot of us would, would like to be doing our quarantining in a place like this. Um, is that sort of addressed at all in, in these stories?
1: Yeah, you know, Bocaccio really takes on the whole question of who gets to socially distance and who doesn't Hmm. um, in this. And, you know, of course, this is a very privileged group that, you know, can, let's go, uh, Pompinea is the leader of the group. She's the woman, and she says, you know, essentially... Let's get out of here and be, take ourselves to the country and there live on one of our estates. So, yeah, they're very, very privileged. Um, and most of Florence doesn't have that option, mm-hmm. um, just like most of our own fellow citizens don't have the option to simply retreat until things get better.
0: And so many of us right now are sort of dealing with the downside of, of social distancing and, you know, feeling cut off or, or alienated. Does this book deal
1: at all with, with that aspect of what these characters could be going through? Well, it, it deals with this very directly. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Boccaccio talks about bad social distancing. There's constructive social distancing and there's really destructive social distancing, social distancing that um, where people abandon each other, hmm. where people are isolated, where people are um, ostracized, and, and in fact, you know, a, a colleague of mine in Italy published in Italian today an article on the the whole notion of quarantine. Quarantine is actually a Venetian word hmm. and it goes back to set you know leper colonies putting the impure and the unclean um, exiling them essentially hmm. and uh, so Boccaccio deals he's very critical of doctors who abandon their patients and and fathers and mothers who abandon their children, which he witnesses hmm. in this calamity hmm. so yeah, he 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 talks about this and um it, it is it is something that we also have to contend with, you know, when 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 any group is um made culpable for an illness like this. I, I really find terms like the China flu mm-hmm. or the Wuhan flu incredibly destructive. And um Bocaccio calls that out, you know, uh in, in his when he published this in thirteen fifty three.
0: Wow. I mean that's it just seems like such a, a relevant book on so many levels. I mean this must be almost just blowing your mind seeing all these places where it relates to what we're dealing
1: with now. I, I think it is and I think it also has some um good advice for us, you know, so? to gather and tell stories. What what he does with the stories is he recreates society through fiction. And um you know, we're all engaging in social media in our own narrative about what we're experiencing. I mean, we all, I certainly the people I know are on social media a lot talking about their daily life, and that kind of connection and um, commiseration and storytelling is crucial in a time that's really difficult,
0: so we can gather for these storytelling without having to actually gather physically,
1: yeah, and you know I mean, if you'll permit me i I, I really I'm now um, not able to teach my students anymore, I'm mm-hmm. not able to see my colleagues anymore, and you know i I just would love to say to them, I hold you close, even though we are at a physical distance, so mm-hmm. you can be close. Um, you can express all kinds of solidarity and good feeling uh, without being, um, you know, less than six feet from people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to note. I mean, we all just maybe feel a bit isolated right now, but but there's maybe ways to overcome that. We have some technologies that they didn't
1: have in fourteenth century Florence that's right. That's right. I mean, I am sure there are plenty of people feeling, you know, the emotional strain of isolation. I've heard about a lot of I have friends whose parents, particularly I'm in contact almost daily with people in Italy mm-hmm. and in the hardest hit areas, you've got a lot of elderly people who are all alone. And that emotional isolation is can be really devastating and has been described as producing PTSD effects. So, you know, the more we can reach out in whatever way possible that, you know, doesn't put anyone at harm, but the better hmm.
0: We're talking to Rebecca Messbarger. She's a professor of Italian at Washington University and also co-founder of the university's medical humanities program, um, talking about just how timely her interests are in this moment that we're in today. And I know you have a number of, of colleagues and people that you know who are on the ground in Italy, as, as you just mentioned there. Overall, um, are they able to keep their spirits up as they're dealing with um, some real restrictions on their movement?
1: You know, it is really a dire situation for many parts of Italy. Um, I think that, you know, uh, well, we've seen how Italians are connecting. I think many of us have seen them singing across to their neighbors from their balconies and playing musical instruments. And uh, I just saw um, Venice, the Veneto has been hit pretty hard. And Mm -hmm. um, an opera singer singing to all of his neighbors but it is it is a really tough situation, and the lockdown. We, my husband's cousin is um, in security. You know, he's a civil servant, and mm-hmm. he, I just had him describe to me, uh, and it's it's very you know, pretty severe. You're not even supposed to take a walk. Um, I mean, that's... police oof. are out saying go home, go home, and because um, they really have to, they have to restrain this uh, infection. As much for the, the the hospitals and the medical personnel, just the whole medical system, because it is it is really in dire shape in certain places. Mm.
0: Do you think that social practices played a role in things getting this so out of control um, in Italy? I mean, we all have our stereotypes of of what oh. Italians are like with the kissing and the. But I know you actually know this culture. What do you think that was a
1: factor? Well, I do think that you know Italians. There is, you know, there obviously there's an Italian countryside, but Italy is fairly dense mm-hmm. uh, in in its living. People live in apartments. They live in a really close close proximity. You know, um, your social gathering places are really your extended family. So certainly, um, the way people live in Italy is highly social. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's it's what I love about Italy. Um, and I don't know that there have been um, studies of this. Uh, I, you know, the issue of how transmission takes place is still being uh, studied mm-hmm. by our scientists and our, our medical uh, researchers. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it is really interesting to compare sort of Korea and Italy there's now a lot of statistics looking at these two places mm-hmm. and containment
0: that's an excellent point, and um, you know, until we know exactly how this is spreading, it's it's hard to do too much conjecture. But it does seem like the very thing that we love about Italy those those close packed cities um, that makes it really hard for them to fight this. And maybe in St. Louis, the things that that are sometimes annoying about the city our emptiness might actually work in our favor. It's it's crazy <laughs> to think of that. <laughs>
1: Now well, no. it is funny. I I was asking Italians, you know, how do you think Giuseppe Conte is doing? Who is their prime minister? Mm. And Italians, it, I, the the many people that I've talked to think he's doing a great job um, by sort of taking uh, firm central control over the situation. And You know, I've heard from a lot of people saying, we're so glad he's telling people to go home because, you know, the other side of Italian life is just a kind of negotiation of all rules. All rules are sort of negotiable. Anybody who's ever driven in Italy knows a stop sign Mm -hmm. eh, can mean a stop sign or maybe not. And so (laughs) they're really glad that he's kind of corralling everybody and getting everybody to do what they're supposed to do.
0: Mm. Now, overall this course that, that we mentioned, this disease, madness, and death Italian style, you're looking at seven centuries of illness and care in Italy, not just the Decameron. I'm wondering what are what are some of the other takeaways from this course that, that give you some insight into this moment that we're in now?
1: Well, you know, if we go back to this other notion of bad social distancing, um, you know, some of the major bestsellers are all about disease, madness, and death. Um, uh, Alessandro Manzoni wrote a book that we've translated into English as The Betrothed. It's I promessi sposi in Italian, and it was a mega bestseller uh, in the 19th century. And it talks, again, about a 1630 plague. Um, And this one... Much like today in Italy, you know, it was centered in Lombardy, hmm. um, and the story takes place in Lombardy. But what ends up happening sort of a, is, is how people take care of each other or how people ostracize and blame each other. And there's a central historical moment in the novel And I recommend it to you. It's a great novel. We should all be reading this novel again today. And and tell Um, our listeners
0: again the name of this particular
1: novel you're recommending. It's called The Betrothed. Okay. And yeah, and it's just about these two young um, people who are poor, who are in love, and kind of their love story, they get lost in the midst of this terrible plague. And eventually find each other. they a very important book for American Catholics hmm. because there's a sort of Catholic um, uh, central motif there. But uh, in the middle of this, and this is historical, in 1630, two men were blamed for the plague in Milan. And even though government officials knew they were not to be, they were not responsible. They were tortured publicly hmm. and brutally executed, and a column. A stone column was put in the place where their home was burned to the ground, and it was called the Column of Infamy. And it sat there for you know more than a hundred years, and it really is a column of infamy about about the wrong approach.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's some crazy scapegoating there.
1: Yes, yes, and. That's what I hope we resist. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just have to resist that.
0: That's a, that's a great point. It's also interesting, though. I mean, as you say, there's so many of these texts through the years that are, are dealing with plagues. And it's interesting how we think of ourselves as being in this more enlightened time or that we've solved all these problems. Science has fixed things. And yet this is kind of just the the way that life has been for so long. It continues even today, despite how we think we've
1: solved everything. We haven't. Right, and you know, I mean, I think one of the things that I thrill to, and I know my children do, is how connected we are, and I really hope this doesn't increase barriers between us, because mm-hmm. honestly, the whole world is going through this right now. We are all going to confront this, our world is going to change. and. We really need to come together. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think the, the St. Louis response to the 1918 influenza mm. is such an important model that just keeps being cited in, you know, I love the fact that it's on the news every day, the 1918 influenza, and St. Louis's model response, you know, coming together working together and saving lives as a result.
0: Being willing to shut things down, even if it's something that, that people would want to go to. You feel like that's a, that's a key takeaway from that 1918 moment?
1: Well, and I also think the leadership was so um, thoughtful and strategic. Truth, transparency, and teamwork really, I think, defined how Max Starkloff and the mayor, Henry Keel operated in 1918. You know, there was a lot of opposition to, by from the business community, from the school system, you know, the superintendent of schools, um, from uh, the churches, from the archbishop, uh, about closing everything down. But he brought them all together hmm. and said, look at these numbers, look at what's happening. And people agreed. And, and- so that, you know, that I think really saved lives. And, and so everybody got on board and said, yes, we have to do it. I, I see that happening right now in St. Louis. I see, you know, our uh, officials really starting to take this seriously and mm-hmm. making these hard decisions, and they are hard.
0: Yeah. And it's yeah. And as you say this, I mean, it all as you say, there's there's these lessons from 1918. There's these lessons from the 14th century. And I I just hope we're wise enough to uh, take the good counsel that is that is out there in the historic record. So um, Rebecca Messbarger, uh, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, I loved it. Thank you so much, Sarah. And
0: Rebecca is a professor of Italian at Washington University. She's also a founder of the university's uh, Medical Humanities Program. And that book she recommended is The Betrothed. If anyone's looking for some good reading material while they're at home, um, you heard it from Rebecca Messbarger. This is a great book we should all be reading. So um, thanks to her for her insights. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.